In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Such a large crowd gathered around Jesus that he got into a boat and began to teach them. Mark 4, verse 26. This resonates with me as I have four children and sometimes their demands and inability to observe spatial limits becomes too much for me and I wish for a boat in order to put some distance between the bedlam taking place under my roof and me in order to gather my thoughts and regroup. And in this instance, Jesus continues teaching in parables from the boat. He was using it as a pulpit as well as a means to get away from the pushing and the shoving of the crowds. Other times, he's been known to sail clean across the lake to the other side, only to be met by a crowd again. No getting away for Jesus. Sometimes I feel just like him. The only book I read on child rearing was by an English psychologist, and I don't even know if I knew at the time that she was English, Penelope Leach. It's called Your Baby and Child from Birth to Five. It was my handbook, and my mother marveled at how much I knew about each stage of any of my children whenever she visited. I don't think she ever realized that I was reading a book, but it was always next to my bed. But it helped me to understand why infants cry, yeah, I had to be told why infants cry, when to expect my children to eat curry, and why chocolate biscuits and a good strong cuppa are not a good idea for my four-year-old, but a lifesaver for me. And it also opened my eyes to the reality of the impact of a second birthday on a toddler, whether I believe in the terrible twos or not, and I do. Why didn't she write one for teenagers? But then perhaps she did. That comprehensive book got me through the remainder of my child-rearing years. It just repeats, repeats, repeats. How many of you have almost grown children who act like toddlers at times? When all the noise of having four under six seemed to be heading towards calamity, Penelope Leach became my boat. Although I would have loved really even a raft to help me take a lovely quiet float down the creek at the bottom of our garden. Penny advised, walk out of the room, take the wind out of their sails. Yeah, notice the oblique boat reference here. It'll calm them down, only sometimes it's not so easy just to walk out of a room. My offspring tend to follow me, duckling-like. A boat would have been easier. Hop on, cast off, see you later. When life is overwhelming, take a break, even a deep breath. Close your eyes and board that imaginary boat with Jesus. It works every time. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and today I don't think I need a boat because it's raining so much, I think my little flat is just going to float away. My guest this week is returning for another chat, Sarita Holtzman, a book lover who turned her passion into a business. I'll continue with my chapter entitled Advocates and Adversaries. 
and I'll have a little chat about the brilliant idea my son had for our return, maybe, and share a couple of good shows we've been to see since we last spoke. There's such a lot going on right now. I'm discovering that English summers really are unpredictable and dreadful. I must have blocked that out of my consciousness. And I'm in my shorts anyway as a rebel, enjoying my cuppa despite the chill in the air. So take a seat and listen in for an hour of warming fun. My blue-eyed cowboy is in London today showing a group of Estonians acquire the sights. He was asked by our choir director if he'd mind, and his eyes lit up. He's good at that kind of thing. And they're visiting us and giving some concerts, and they had to day off. So my Texan laughed. He said, an American showing a group of Estonians around London. And I asked him if he had his long pole with a sign on it to hold up and make sure no one got lost. And as I said, it's pouring with rain right now. So I hope they're in an art gallery. Um, they're used to Northern European weather, though, because I looked up Estonia and it's in the Baltic, 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 I think you pronounce it. And I think they can see Sweden. So it's quite a bit further north than we are here in London. Maybe it's warm for them. <laughs> I had a pleasant day yesterday swimming outside my box. I met with three women I went to school with. I can't say girls because they weren't girls. They're not girls anymore. They were grown women. Hadn't seen them since leaving my convent when I was 18. And I thought, what will we have in common except for Thornton, of course, the school? And it all seems that they had much better memories of school than I did. They had a much better time of it. But I was quickly caught up on the basic news. Most of us are married with children. We've had our ups and downs. And you know what? Each one of them were basically the same in personality than they had been at school. And I wondered how I was the same, because I certainly feel a whole lot bolder than I was as a child. But I suppose the fundamental personality was there, lurking beneath the surface, manifesting in telling ways. For example, I was a maverick and used to sneak out of school into the nearby town when we weren't allowed to leave the grounds. Never a lover of rules. That's why I homeschool. The memories just came flooding back. And last night... I kept waking up with these anxiety attacks about being left and abandoned by my parents at 11. And I realized, wow, that really is why I homeschooled. I would never inflict that kind of pain on anybody, let alone a child. So I always joked that I left home at 11, and that's not funny. I realized why I hadn't wanted to keep in touch with anyone. The memories are just too hard. Anyway, we had lunch together and then moved to a coffee shop before ending in a cosy London pub, all in Victoria. So I had the shortest distance to go, just one train ride. But I was happy to get back in my box and come home. And I had chips from the chip shop. And this morning I did a yoga class. And by the end of that, I was settled back. But, you know, that was a bit of a little bit of a jolt to me. It's kind of thrown me, thrown me a bit. But I guess I'll do it again, because the next time I meet, I'll kind of know what to expect. And uh, they all were happy to see me. And I suppose I was happy to see them. I don't know. I've not really analyzed that. Anyway, time for my book excerpt from the chapter entitled In the Light, Advocates, Not Adversaries. When Malia and I saw Paris off <clears throat> on the plane to Africa, we made a detour to Broadstairs, where my parents lived. And we spent a happy three weeks in a pretty little house close to the sea and in walking distance of the grandparents. And we spent as much time with them as possible. Each time we stood on their doorstep waiting for them to shush the yapping dog and finish wondering 
who was ringing their doorbell before opening the door to peer at us standing there, they'd exclaim, oh, Vivian, when did you get here? And we'd start the visit all over again. They never fully worked out who Malia was, getting her confused with other young female members of the family, past and present. On our last day, I walked my father to Mass. Malia went ahead with Granny, and I enjoyed what was to become my last leisurely stroll with Daddy, hoping he wouldn't trip and fall, holding on to him firmly and coaching him gently on the use of his walking stick, which made him feel old, he complained. When we got home, he sank into his chair, slipped his shoes off and accepted with pleasure a proffered mug of tea. This is my favourite memory of him from that trip, and I have it photographed. That same day, I had my final conversation with my mum, in which she was completely present. When we said goodbye, we wondered if they would even remember our visit. Not weeks after our return to America, everything plummeted on that side of the pond, and I knew that I was slowly drawing to the end of an era. My father fell and broke his hip while letting the dog out. She'd scrambled between his legs, racing him down the steps to the garden, and he'd lost his balance. He went into hospital and never returned to his lovely little home again. My mother entered severe depression, unbeknownst to all but me, and never visited him unless taken by her sister-in-law and when I was there. She thought she was visiting her father on occasion, but mostly talked about him in the third person as that poor old man. My conversations with her told me she was ready to let her life go. She and Daddy had been inseparable, and now the unimaginable and unplanned for had happened. She lived three years quite miserably on her own in a world of memories or nothingness. I don't quite know. Malia was my travelling companion when we visited them often those years. At home, in, on the homeschool front, in an attempt to resume a learning routine, we came to an agreement to study only what we both love, loved while she worked towards taking her college entrance exam. It was just she and me. We continued with the math and Latin, the reading, of course, and we decided to skip the science co-op and take up the baton ourselves. We thoroughly enjoyed working through the experiments for chemistry and physics together without the pressure from the weekly accountability of a co-op. No tests or exams had to be submitted to Wildflower Academy, and we progressed unhampered and came out the other side more educated on the doings of moles, periodic tables, elements, and kinetic energy. By now, I had the routine down, and we didn't shirk our duty to the science size side of our otherwise very artistic curriculum. Poetry was a favourite. We'd read volumes of it and memorise hundreds of stanzas. And for a treat at the end of the week, Malia would perform impromptu dances to my recitations, etching the metre into our brains with movement. We continued with afternoon naps and mostly spent a lot of time together, talking and shopping at thrift shops. We travelled often to England to take care of social workers, my parents, shopping for my mum, and eventually moving my father into a nursing home from the hospital where he'd been trapped because of immobility and lack of concern. During the summer, the two of us worked Garland Summer Musicals. She helped me stage manage and performed in the chorus and a couple of bit parts, a postulant and a nun, two opposing sides of her personality, and guess the name of the show. We worked so well together, and I at least look back on those long evenings with pure joy. The earning of money was always a plus for Malia, and her occasional babysitting job at Jazzercise became full-time once Paris was gone. It was good, steady pocket money, which led towards another lesson in our home school, tithing and saving. Learn 
Having the money borrowed had to be paid back out of the gross before other items could be bought startled her. She thought the odd dollar loan to her would be forgotten as quickly as she spent it. She couldn't believe that people actually kept up with every last penny they loaned out. Putting herself in their shoes helped drive this lesson home, and she went off borrowing money fast after loaning some to a friend who dropped out of the college class they were in with the borrowed money never to be seen again. She grew to value every cent and liked knowing that on payday she owed nothing. It was all hers to tithe, save and spend. Tithing was a tough lesson. Giving to a church general fund is not rewarding for young people who like to see what their money buys. And I've got to go on a short break now. And when I come back, I'll be talking to my guest. So, How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm thrilled to welcome back my guest today, Sarita Holtzman, the co-founder and president of Sunlight Curriculum, which she and her husband established more than 20 years ago. They provide families across the globe with the rich resources they need to raise lifelong learners who fervently pursue whatever God calls them to do. Welcome, Sarita. Hello. 
Good morning. Can you not hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. I didn't hear oh. the first part. <laughs> I'm Sorry, sure you well, were saying hello. <laughs> good morning. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh. Sounds like you're oh. having a wonderful time dealing with family and issues in the home. Yes, the, yes, I am. I am. And uh, it's drawing rapidly to a close. And I think, where did that year go? I was here for a year and uh, return on July the 18th. So. Oh. Good, good yeah. for you to spend time with your family and your parents. Good for you to honor them in that way. Good. Yes, thank you. So, Sarita, um, anything new at Sunlight that you would like to share with us? Oh, too bad it's even this month. In September, we'll have a new uh, fundraiser for kids. Oh. But I can talk back about some of the older ones we have done, and they mm-hmm. are still available online. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Sunlighters uh, gathered together and raised funds for a project called uh, My Passport to India. Mm-hmm. And our goal was to raise a third of a million dollars because for every dollar that's raised, a little Indian child goes to a, like a vacation Bible school kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. they find that an enormous number of these kids become believers because, of course, uh, the gospel is such good news. And if you haven't had a chance to ever hear it at all, which if you look at a map of India, uh, you recognize that that's such an unreached part of the world. Uh, as they hear the gospel, these kids respond joyfully, and they actually reach out and, and minister to their family as well. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to and, just keep talking? Uh, yeah, yes. no, um, yeah, I was going to ask you, did you actually raise, did you actually reach your goal? We actually went a little beyond our goal. Really? And if you think about uh this was a geared toward children, and it's mm-hmm. done through a video program called uh, My Passport to India. And if you mm-hmm. Google that, that's still online and still available. It's a mm-hmm. series of 10 videos. Uh, they've scheduled it to go over a five-week period of time, and you watch one every couple of days. And basically, it's uh, in a Westerner who travels to India and kind of has his first experiences of what life is like. Mm-hmm. So we can raise up an awareness of a very foreign country in a very safe position, being at home uh, without, well, traveling. <laughs> without well, traveling. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was, I was going to tie that in with um, something that I know that is um, you know, close to your heart. Why is it important for children and young people to learn how to serve others and to reach outside their American or their Western culture and learn what's going on in these other countries? Oh, that's absolutely on my heart. I believe that we want to raise up kids that don't just have a me focus, a focus of thinking, how do I get things for myself? Mm -hmm. But to have a picture of what God is doing around the world and to have a chance to impact, to train up kids from a very young age that part of what they give should go to the work of God's kingdom. shouldn't just be for me. I think Mm -hmm. we want to raise up kids that have a big picture in mind that there's an ultimate goal that one day God will be magnified and glorified throughout the world, and mm-hmm. they can have a part of that even from a very young age. Mm-hmm. And they can do it either by um, fundraising and sending money or learning and maybe writing letters and having um, pen pals. Do you do that? I think that would be a marvelous thing yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times um, it's not just raising money, but it's also, well, absolutely money is an important piece of it because it does impact our heart. It's mm-hmm. as we give that our heart is changed, isn't it? And I yes. think, yeah, so we want to raise up kids that 
uh, give, but it, we can do that in a host of ways. We can either read. Uh, we use a little prayer tool um, at Sunlight that's just marvelous, and if you don't mind, I'd love to read oh, a phrase from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pray every day for an unreached people group, and this particular is called um, uh, the Global Prayer Digest. And um, there's a passage in here. We're praying for the Ur people of China. And a missionary doctor who died in 1927 lamented about the Ur. Men and women are toiling without a Bible, without a Sunday, without a prayer, without songs of praise. They have rulers without justice, homes without peace, marriage without sanctity, young men and women without ideals, little children without purity or innocence, mothers without wisdom or self-control. Poverty without relief or sympathy, sickness without skillful help or tender care, sorrow and crime without remedy, and worst of all, death without Christ. Mm. And, the, and the prayer guide goes on and says that today the situation is not much different. Operation China tells us there are no believers among this particular people group. Mm. That's almost 100 years later. How in the world can we sit back and say, oh, I'm going to buy this or that or this next thing? and not be compelled and transformed by the great need for the gospel around the world. And you were reading that, um, Sarita, and that was very touching um, from a book that you said called The Global Prayer Digest that you have. Correct. And as you were reading that, there are so many questions for me that arose that would, I, I would think even a young child would ask, you know, why um, po- you said something about poverty and, and something and crime. And I thought, gosh, you could take any one of those questions and do the research and make a sociology lesson, geographic lesson, history lesson, ethics lesson, theological Correct. lesson, any, mm-hmm. all kinds of lessons, just answering the questions that arose in that prayer, that short prayer that you just right. read. Right. I think oftentimes, I I think you're dead on. We want to take the things that we read about, the things that we see, either in the news or in the books that we read, Mm -hmm. and talk it through with our children. Isn't that what homeschooling ultimately should be? That Mm -hmm. we, it draws from this well of things that we see around us and gives us a chance to, and that's the way we can share our values with our kids. Mm-hmm. We want to pray for the people in China. We want to pray for missionaries that go because we know the transforming power of the gospel, how it totally can change um, a, a society. Mm-hmm. And, and asking the question, why? Why? Like last summer we had riots in our streets in London, mm-hmm. and it was, it was dreadful. But I, I looked at my husband and I said, but why? What was really behind all of that? I mean, it wasn't, there, there weren't just simple reasons. It just went really, really deep. And it was very, very interesting to dig around and go back and try and find out why. And what did you come up with? What did I come up with? Well, there's no easy, there's, no, there's nothing easy. Um, a lot of it, well, actually, I personally believe that it's, it's um, the fact that both parents feel that they have to go out to work in order to be able to buy everything and have enough money to be able to do all of the things that they want to do. And they forget that their children are their most important, oh, valuable, priceless um, being, future of the world. They forget that. I think that's some of that has been lost here. And um, I, I just see it and I think, gosh, 
Are you not seeing that your children are so important, more important than all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? I, I and and I, I hear about mothers who go out to work and they, it's almost cost them as much to put their child in daycare or have other people watch their child than they're making. So why, what, what, what is going on? It's just a, it's just the culture is just, you know, sort of dictating well, that. I, I agree. And I think, too, as we give our kids tons and tons of things, without them having a place to send things out. There's a joy that occurs as we learn how to give. It's almost counterintuitive. I think if we are just receiving, sometimes we, I mean, the Bible even says that, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. we think about that as we get more and more stuff, we just have to take care of it. We just have to manage it. We have to find a place to put it. We have to put it away at the end of the day. It gets mm-hmm. boring after a period of time. We want That's it right. until we get it. Mm-hmm. But I think as we invest in others, as we give, as we share with others, there's, it's, it's almost magical is the wrong word because it has the wrong connotation, mm-hmm. but there's something miraculous, maybe that's the better word, mm-hmm. that happens in our heart as we give. And I think if we can raise up our kids with that heart of giving from a very young age, we'll train them in things that are miraculous that impact the heart and the soul. And I think I can't imagine a child that's got a world focus and gives gladly and doesn't, anyway, I, I can't imagine those kinds of kids out demonstrating in the streets. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just think they have a bigger purpose and a bigger goal and a bigger dream. I think well, you're onto something, Vivian. Well, yes, you're right about the me. You know, it's not all about me. They need, they need to, to separate from the me focus. And um, it's very difficult when they have parents who are all about me as well, and maybe their parents were too. And so it's, it's generational. Um, but I know that here in Britain, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in our next um, segment, after the Second World War, um, young people who left school were encouraged to go abroad. And um, the government believed that, you know, the more people went abroad and discovered what was going on beyond the shores, the British shores, um, it might take away um, the desire to maybe have another war or the, the threat of another war like the Second World War and also the First World War. And so they started voluntary service overseas was when was, was the initial one. But now we have what's called a gap here and, and people do take off time. And uh, it was funny because I was reading about it. And, you know, England has a fear of the abroad. They, they, they just have, you know, in the, in the 30s and 40s and 50s abroad was, oh, you know, they didn't like anything foreign. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, encouraging people to go out and, and travel and see the world and actually meet foreigners who have the same ideas as they have, the same values, the same goals, the same hearts, you know. That's right. That's right. I think I, think that I, I would agree with the premise that we're afraid of people that are unlike us. Mm-hmm. We tend to live in circles and societies that are similar to us. We go to churches that have the same kind of people that we have. and. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, 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 while I agree with the concept, I think if their goal is to avoid future wars, that's probably not going to happen. No, it's this probably this not going to happen, but it was, it was probably a, a, you know, a knee-jerk reaction to yeah. the, the horror that everybody had just been through. Right, and, I'm sure um, that's true. But I think it, we can do some similar things even as we read books with our kids. Mm-hmm. If we read stories that are placed in other parts of the world, we can see that the mom's 
just want their kids to get ahead in this world. They want to make sure they have proper food and they want to have, you know, they want to instill their values in them. All right, we have to go on another quick break. We'll be back after about 90 seconds. (laughs) All right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown, and after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on Tuggynet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm talking to Sarita Holtzman, co-founder and president of Sunlight Curriculum. And Sarita, just before we went on break, we were talking about how we do um, tend to um, surround ourselves with like-minded and like people. And um, I had a question about sunlight. Um, Do you have a particular philosophy on how do you choose your books? Do they all have to be written by Christian authors from a Christian worldview? Um, do you have a particular political affiliation? So, if somebody is buying Sunlight Curriculum, the books from there, would they note it? Would they immediately say, "Oh, is there a pattern in how you choose the books?" I suppose is what I'm. That's a very good question. <laughs> a long one, uh, probably. Yes, most of our books are actually not written from a Christian perspective. And we do that purposefully because we do, and I don't want to say we're, write, we're reading books from a non-Christian perspective. We're just reading books that take place in the real world. 
Mm-hmm. And what we desire for moms to do with their kids is to read stories together and to talk about them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in our fifth-year program, we spend uh, time on the whole eastern hemisphere of the world, uh, what most missiologists would call the 1040 window, uh, the mm-hmm. part of the world where people have never uh, encountered the gospel. 85% of Hindus and Muslims have never even met a believer, never met a Christian in their whole life. Mm-hmm. So we read stories that take place in that part of the world. For example, we read Daughter of the Mountains, which is a little uh, Buddhist girl, and she mm-hmm. lives up in Tibet. And you get a chance to see how they view the world very differently than we do. We mm-hmm. see that she's just a normal girl with real desire. She'd love to have a dog. I mean, just very similar to how we mm-hmm. are. But she lives in a very different part of the world. They they uh, drink buttered tea, and that's <laughs> like a buttered tea yuck. Anyway, but that's the that's type supposed of to be thing. delicious. <laughs> oh, is it all good? <laughs> no, I haven't. I've never had it. Um, there's a book called Three Cups of Tea, and it's in set in Afghanistan. Right. And he right. says that they use the milk, and it's not always the butter is sometimes rancid. Yes. So it's pretty strong. <laughs> but you know, that's probably how they get their calories, right? If you're not oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and if you were fed it as a baby, it would be wonderful, I'm sure. Right. So. You'd be used to it. That's right. Yes. Or, or, or for example, we read um, uh, Seven Daughters and Seven Sons, which is, mm-hmm. takes place in the Middle East and uh, highlights the fact that sons are, to have seven sons is the ultimate of honor, you know, mm-hmm. and to have seven daughters, the family is disgraced. But to, to talk about, you know, the cultural differences where, you know, girls are less appreciated and how the gospel has made a difference in the lives of the West where Jesus elevates women. And to talk through even those differences in the light of how a family walks and lives in life. We just feel like there's a lot of value in introducing our kids to the fact that the world sees things differently but they're still families that love and care for their children. Mm-hmm. And to talk through why those differences are there and why uh, the world uh, looks the way it does uh, for different peoples. Yeah, and not particularly to start a fight with those people just because they don't have the same beliefs that you have. Oh, correct. We never want to yeah. do it from a fighting position. We always want yeah. to do it with love and compassion, which is what yeah. Jesus tells us to do. <laughs> Yes. So um, you have you have these wonderful books to read that these probably fall in maybe your geography and history, sociology right. sections. We, absolutely. We um, we do them. Uh, we have a history theme. So if we're studying the Western Hemisphere, that's kind of the overarching piece of it. And then we try to choose books that make the history come alive. That's kind of the mm-hmm. goal of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also put in um, missionary biographies. So those would be our, our Christian titles, but they're... Mm-hmm just normal men and women that have chosen to go out and do something really significant for God. We want to give kids that hero, that something to aspire to, uh, to say, wow, somebody like this can make a difference. You know, think of Mary Celeste, who went into Africa where they killed all the twin babies. That was just normal. We did this because, you know, we don't understand why we have twins and we must be evil spirits. And she came in and totally transformed that culture and managed to save the lives of these children, just an ordinary, normal kind of a person to read that kind of a story and build up, you know, that desire in our hearts of our kids to say, I can make a difference as well. So you do have, do you, do you, you do have scriptural books, though, throughout your curriculum, don't you? <laughs> you want to make sure I get into this book. We read the Bible that's scheduled and we memorize the scriptures. That's where we're coming from. But again, we want to use uh, just regular compelling stories 
and then talk them through with the eyes of faith and say, this is how we understand this society. This is how we understand. We compare it to the things that are happening in our own lives. <laughs> well, you know, I know. I'm, I'm just imagining because I, I have used I have used sunlight curriculum, but there are some some of my listeners who um, this will be a totally new um, curriculum for them, and they they might want to um, look it out, look at it. And um, I know you do it by year, and you have all these books. And I I would imagine that if people are just going to buy a lot of books, and they would just they could very well just stick to um, reading all of the books and not going outside whatever you've got to offer. And um, so I was, I was just thinking it is well-rounded. So, you know, I don't want my listeners to think, well, you know, we've just got these books and there's no really, if I want to teach, you know, religion or theology or whatever in, in my day, there's, I'm going to have to go somewhere else to find books. They're all there, aren't they, in, in your curriculum? They are in there. That's correct. Mm -hmm. I, I would want to offer a caution. There are times when we will put in our instructor's guide notes of how to handle different things. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there's a book in, um, I can't remember which court it's in, it's called Habibi, and it's the story of an Arab-Israeli family that moves from America where the kids were born, and they move back to the father's homeland, which happens to be Palestine. Mm -hmm. And there's a chapter in that story where the girl talks about how you know, we, she thinks we can grow, draw from all these different religions and we shouldn't be restrictive. And, and mm -hmm. uh, we have, I think, four pages of notes of how to respond to that really false kind of teaching. So we do want to uh, read, but we want to read with insight and be careful mm -hmm. to talk things through with our kids and say, no, Buddhism actually is a worldview that a lot of people hold to, but it has a lot of false premises, and this is mm -hmm. why. So we mm -hmm. do need to be careful with uh, just yeah. handing things to our kids, and we want to make sure we're always actively involved in the things that we read and say. Absolutely. All right. So um, I know the last time we spoke, you told me that you had the great pleasure of reading most of the books that go into your curriculum, which must mean hundreds and hundreds of books that you read. Glory. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find time to do anything else? Uh, I have a great team that does all the work. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but you know what? The bottom line, though, you really do need to know what's going on in, in most of your books, which I'm sure you do. And yes, you do, have a, you do have a wonderful team. I've spoken to a lot of them over the years on this show. So yes, they are. They are a great team. But I know you read a lot of them, I, don't you? And, and I, you and your husband, you know, sort of probably have the, um, right. the deciding factor if there's a book that you think oh, should right. read. It's always, it's always a choice, though, isn't it? When you say, oh, I'm too busy, I don't have time to read, mm -hmm. then you mm -hmm. have to say, okay, but what are you doing? I don't watch mm -hmm. any TV. That's not, that, just, that piece is totally yeah. out of my life. I don't do any gaming. That piece is out of my life. I don't spend a lot of time on forums and that kind of a thing. So it's all choices that we make, and you have to decide that this is what I do. And I, I happen to love to read, so that's not a hard choice for me no, at all. No, no, it I'm reading a really wonderful book at the moment um, written by Sheila Hancock. And Sheila Hancock's name here, um, and to me, is very familiar, but I really, she's probably a little bit before I realized who she was. I was a little bit too young when she was in her prime. But she talks about her childhood. And, of course, she loved to read. But it was greatly discouraged because reading back in the um, 40s, I suppose, in the working class um, households was considered a waste of time. You know, it just was not considered anything other than, well, if you have absolutely nothing else to do, right, then right. perhaps you can sit down and read a couple of pages of a book. But, hmm. No. Good. So, a similar story to that is um, William Carey, 
who was a shoemaker back, probably, he was probably at the early, turn of the century, and basically uh, worked all day, and then he'd come home in the evening, and he would teach himself Greek and Latin and all these things that you think, you'll never use any of that. And I often would tell my kids, oh, you always will lose, you'll always use the things that you learn. <laughs> and what happened with him was he got a, feel, a call in his heart to go to India and uh, uh, transform the world for Christ. <laughs> so anyway, he gets on a boat, sails to India, and he uses, of course, all that Greek and the Hebrew that he had studied as a shoemaker, and he ends up translating something like 33 different uh, languages, the Bible, into the different languages of the peoples of India. And what I tell my kids is you don't waste anything that you learn. Uh, no. As an example, my son uh, took Spanish in high school and didn't like it and didn't think he'd ever use it again. And he ended up working for a for Toshiba, and they wanted him to dub a training video into Spanish. Mm-hmm. And he was living in Southern California at the time, and everybody, of course, there's a lot of Hispanics and a lot of people that speak Spanish there. And in the company, there wasn't one person. So he used his high school Spanish to translate this passage. And he came to me and said, Mom, you're so right. We use everything we've learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, funnily <laughs> enough, I had a conversation just today with my son. He went to Cozumel um, to do some snorkeling, and um, one of the friends that he was with, they were trying to talk to the um, to the locals, and they just could not. This, this friend of his was just talking to them, you know, as you and I are talking, you know, fluent English speakers, yeah. but they just, obviously, these people couldn't speak very much English at all. And he said he seemed to have absolutely no concept of these um, these root words and these these basics, like he said, from Latin, you know, I knew certain words and that if, oh, I, if I thought about it, I could maybe come up with, with a word that they could understand, just a key word they could understand. I thought, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's really good, you know, using. It's, it's great when they actually start to use those um, little pieces of information that we've, you know, sort of um, helped them discover when they were younger. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... Um, traveling and um, going abroad, you can do all of that just by reading. You do not have to actually physically get on a plane and you don't have to have lots of money in order to be able to visit countries like China and India because through books you can do that really well. And um, actually DVDs now, I mean, they they do a really good job um, with the DVD. Um, and, And you were talking about your passport to India. And I thought, oh, gosh, that would really step by step Help a child, you know, through somebody else's eyes who can be trusted to really see what's going on in in a country that they would maybe never, never visit. Right. And maybe wouldn't even be safe to go. Uh, Some of our mission executives from Mission India say, oh, we won't take a child under 18. It's just, um, it's physically not very healthy there and there's just a lot of disease and very overwhelming to go. Mm -hmm. Well, Sarita, I've got to go on a break again, but please come back for about another five minutes in my next segment, okay? Okay. All right. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten. 
on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what the Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Sarita, since your company is um, very, very heavy book book-based. Yes. How are you dealing with electronic books? Do you have electronic books? Are you, are you going to have to start using those? Uh, that is something that we are planning on moving into. It's not an mm-hmm. easy market to break into, but we're sure. working with different companies and figuring out how to do that. Mm-hmm. To date, we well, do not yet. It also, what, wouldn't, wouldn't a lot of your books already be electronic? Maybe not. No, I'm, maybe not. I'm sure that they are. And you could... Yeah for sure pick them up in that. And there's lots of, um, we have some missionary families that have chosen to go that route because they can just mm-hmm. pack an iPad instead mm-hmm. of the big boxes. For me, I'm still a book person, so I have a household yes. of books, and there's something about the smell and the feel and the weight and the uh, just well, I know, finding I... it on the shelf. <laughs> well, and, and um, the textbooks are now, and I'm talking now about my college students, um, their textbooks are now on electronic i suppose they can put them on their kindles and some of some of the little friends of my daughters say oh it's so much easier because i don't have to carry all these textbooks around with me in my backpack you know i just have it all on my kindle i think it is amazing how much they can fit onto such a small chip (laughs) that's right it's right it is it's a huge mercy and i think they can make upgrades remember when we had to try to resell our textbooks and they wouldn't take them back because it was anyway you have none of those issues which is a huge plus I know, I know. <laughs> so um, you're going, you're, so you are going to be able to break into the electronic market. Well, probably more on your consumer side, I would think, because I know when I was using Sunlight Curriculum, I couldn't afford to buy all of the books, and so I would have to um, go to the library perhaps and supplement that way. And um, 
you know, using using some of the titles. In fact, I think I had a, um, a couple, I did it for a couple of years, and the book lists in there just lasted me for the rest of my homeschooling. I mean, just wonderful, wonderful resource. Yeah. The key or catalog itself, you know, just, just on its own. And uh, oh, so. That's very nice of you to say, and we do recommend people use the library and whatever sources they can mm-hmm. because single-income families, they need to make sure they can do whatever they need to do to yeah. make sure they continue on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I um, think you're wise. And um, I know that you are branching out a lot and, and going um, towards um, DVDs because um, I had Robert was on, Luke was on, and um, both of them, I know Luke said that he does the maths DVD. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm going, well, I don't remember seeing any of that in the catalog when, when I was doing <laughs> Sunlight. So that's new, isn't it? Yes. And basically what he's done is we tasked the team with going through all of the different math programs that we carry, because we carry a variety, mm-hmm. pulling out all the different concepts that are in there, and then demonstrating all those uh, abstract concepts with physical objects, so kids can actually see math, how it works in the real world. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, and if you haven't seen it, it's adorable. It's called Mathacular, yeah. and uh, my, son, my youngest son is the star, and mm-hmm. um, they just basically do things with... Uh, anyway, it's it's adorable. <laughs> yeah, and is that that? And that's for the younger that's age for the, group. Uh, we go all the way up to word problems because as we think about math and think about the abstract part of it, uh, most of us, I know I did, had trouble with even knowing how to break down how to solve a word problem. And they've done it in kind of a that's an unusual one where they've done an actual storyline that they follow and they walk through the steps of how to actually attack a word problem and figure out how to do that. It's, uh, it's more, more of our uh, creative one than we have, yeah. their, but they're darling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, Sarita, we're drawing to the end of um, our time together, and um, just tell us where we can go and find sunlight and, and how we do it. Is it, is it based on um, semesters throughout a year, or can somebody just decide to do sunlight curriculum at any time of the year? Well, we have a number of moms that uh, either do, it is set up as a full year program, set up mm-hmm. as 36 weeks, 180 days, or we have a four-day program for moms that are uh, doing like a co-op or something on their fifth day. Mm-hmm. But we have moms that do it year-long because the books are great, or they'll do it over a year and a half, so you can step in at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And then we just walk you through exactly what a year looks like and what to do every day look at our schedule and say, we're going to do this, 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 and we're done for the day. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So where, where, where can my listeners go to um, sign up and buy sunlight? Well, or at least find out about us. Go to www.sunlight.com. Uh, mm-hmm. It's S-O-N-L-I-G-H-T because mm-hmm. we have a Christian theme. And uh, please do come and check us out. And uh, we, like I've said before, we use a history theme, and all the books attempt to tie to the history and add kind of that dimensionality. So as kids have links in their brains, we think that's a very effective way to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarita, for joining me today. I've been chatting to Sarita Holtzman, co-founder and president of Sunlight Curriculum, which she and her husband established 20, more than 20 years ago now. Sarita and I talked about the big picture of education, how to encourage our children to grow in their knowledge knowledge and compassion for the world. And um, we talked about travel and how we can do it from the comfort of our own homes through books and um, possibly through DVDs as well. 
Sarita is personally responsible for selecting um, most of the books with her trusty team that eventually end up on your kitchen table. And um, Sunlight provides families across the globe with the rich resources they need to raise lifelong learners who fervently pursue whatever God calls them to do. And to find out more about Sunlight Curriculum, I have a link on my webpage on TogiNet. It's www.sunlight.com. Sarita, thank you so much. And um, you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I so appreciate it. Blessings on you and all that you do and encouraging moms to homeschool and uh, carry on and be encouraged. Well, thank you so much, Sarita. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, as I said to Sarita, we are heading home in July. So I am on a quest for thoughtful gifts to go back with for some special friends and family members. And I don't want to think too hard because that takes all the fun out of my final weeks here. And um, I'm not the best shopper in the world. And my wallet breathes a huge sigh of relief. The tea cozies, you know, are a good bet, as are aprons and mugs with the Diamond Jubilee logo on them. And, of course, special food that you can only get here. We also have Olympic memorabilia to choose from here in London this year, two mammoth occasions to mark our gap year. So as you know, I prefer to buy from local artists if at all possible. So imagine my tickled pinkness when I found a lady at the Arts and Crafts show at our church selling her handmade tea cozies. She didn't have one in the fabric I wanted, but I did place an order and she took my contact details and I never heard from her again at least until last week. I really didn't want to be bothered talking to her. I'm naughty like that. Because in the meantime, I'd found an alternative gift. But my polite gentleman husband handed me the phone and I arranged to go and look at her new cozies the following afternoon while on my daily walk. I arrived at her house after a lovely ramble through the Parklands woods and cement-paved streets and stood at her front door and knocked. When she opened it, her face betrayed a mild look of surprise as she glanced behind me as if expecting to see someone or something. She led me through her small home, littered with the fruits of her labor. You've been there to those little artsy places, craftsy places. And she bought out the two cozies she'd made and I bought them both. They were perfect for me and me. Throughout the sale, she chatted about her visits to America and other people she knew from there, and the proverbial question hung on her lips and predictably dropped unbidden into the conversation. I know so-and-so who lives in Houston near the Space Center. Do you? Of course not. Then she actually asked me if I really walked every day, referring to the comment I'd made on the phone about making the visit to her house my walk. I said, yes. And she said, well, do you have a dog? That's what she'd been looking behind me for at the front door. No, I replied. You don't have a dog and you walk every day? I said, yes, and that I especially loved the woods in Beckenham Place Park. You go there alone every day without a dog? I mean, she couldn't get over this. That's amazing. She couldn't get over the fact that... I walked without a dog, and I don't think she was referring to my safety either. It was the fact that I walked without having to, well, without having to because of a dog. I have to walk to keep my heart healthy and blow the cobwebs from my overactive brain. She obviously found other more sedentary things for that purpose, for which I'm grateful, I say, as I lift my new tea cozy from my teapot and pour myself another cuppa. 
And still on the topic of interesting verbal exchanges, my barista daughter had a friend from America staying with her for a week. Well, the friend was actually visiting from Austria, where she was holidaying for five weeks. My daughter introduced her to her friends at college. And of course, they had a great time with two sets of American accents to copy. One of the boys asked her, well, have you eaten anything really English yet? Like... Have you been to McDonald's? My daughter and her friend looked at each other and laughed. I suppose the young people today here have only known life with a McDonald's and perhaps they don't know it originally came from America. And here I am making excuses for their ignorance. Another of the dancers that my daughter dances with auditioned for one of the cruise ships out of Galveston carnival i believe and he got a notice that he'd be sailing out of orlando and he asked my daughter where's orlando is it in france perhaps he's heard mention of orlando in connection with disney world and he's only been to disneyland in paris france more excuses i'm such a mom another irritant for my daughter all her friends say texas dallas instead of dallas texas and whatever when she corrects them Most dancers aren't clever. Her teacher in Dallas told her when she was very young, you're too smart to be a dancer. Now she knows what he meant. And I have come to the end of my time with you this week. So my gabbing has to stop. Quietness this weekend. I suppose I could start re-clearing out some cupboards. Who knows? Anyway, we're cooking our youngest nephew's favorite meal, hamburgers, on Sunday in celebration of his ninth birthday. He requested a Victoria sponge for his cake, so hopefully the choir cake sale will deliver. They're having a fundraiser after Mass on Sunday to pay for their travel. And I'll be here, same time, same place next week. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight. I hope you're having fun out there in London with your Estonians, our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. Not long now. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Sarita Holtzman, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, and many others who are part of my growing audience. You can listen to Brenda Nixon's show, The Parents Plate, every week on Tuesdays at 10 Eastern. And while you're tuned in, visit Trisha Goya with Living Inspired on Thursdays at 4 Eastern. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.